is to live so that we love people to life, to introduce them to life with Jesus. But maybe, maybe we have some work to do if we're going to truly capture the hearts of people around us and introduce them to life with him. In a phrase, we have to be more like Jesus. Last week, I told you a couple of ways to evaluate if, you, if we're doing that well. Uh, one way is to measure your life against uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit to see if those character qualities are, are developing in your life. Galatians chapter 5, at the end of the, the chapter, it lists these nine character qualities. It says if the Spirit is working in your life, then, then uh, these things are going to be blossoming and blooming and growing in your life. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If those things are growing in your life, then it's a great indication that you are growing in your walk with Jesus, becoming more like him. And that growth is, is important. That's, that's a, a key factor. There's a phrase that doctors use when babies don't meet the expectations that we, we, uh, we expect for them. Uh, they don't grow and develop as they should. Uh, there's this phrase called failure to thrive. Failure to thrive. So many times uh, I, I think... I think there are many people in the church who, who settle for a mediocre religious brand of Christianity, and in a sense, we fail to thrive when Jesus wants so much more for us. He, he wants us to live an abundant life with him. It's like the, the, the 12 disciples Jesus uh, uh, hung out with, walked around with as, as he lived on, uh, on, on this, this earth. Uh, they weren't just learning about Jesus, they were becoming more like Jesus. As he taught them, as, as they lived life day to day, uh, week to week, uh, he, he helped them to become more like him. And that's what he wants for each of us, uh, to be more like him, to be his disciples. Uh, it's, uh, we, we tend to th- put that word in a category of, oh, those 12 guys. Well, minus Judas, because he kind of screwed up, right? So, but that's the disciples. No, we're all disciples. If we're following Jesus, we're becoming more like him. And, and it starts with us deciding to actually follow, right? Some of you have been following for years, many years, so many years, right? Others for of you, it's been shorter. Still others probably wouldn't describe your spiritual life as, as following Jesus. Maybe you're checking Jesus out or trying to figure out what this Christianity thing is all about, or, or maybe you're even resistant to it, but, but you're not there yet. But it starts with a decision, a personal decision to follow Jesus. Yes, I want to, I want to not live for myself and instead live to follow Jesus. And, and that's when we step into this life of, the church word is discipleship, uh, becoming a disciple. We follow Jesus and become more like him. That's, that would be, a, I think, a great definition of discipleship. So uh, last week I told you that, that uh, Pastor Kevin Harney uh, wrote a book called Organic Disciples, and in that he spells out seven specific markers or, or ways to identify if we're thriving in our spiritual lives. And, uh, and so that discipleship group that we're going to uh, start in a couple of weeks, we're going to be walking through these things in detail, not just learning about them, but, but putting them into practice and, and learning about the, the, uh, the, the, what that really looks like day to day, putting some practical handles on how we live out this life following Jesus. And, and so in this, uh, these, these messages leading up to that, I, I, I want us, I want to kind of give a, a, a big picture, a, a taste of, um, of, uh, of what these things are and how we can, how we can uh, put these into practice. 
And, and, and as we step into that, be, before I get into the details of, of those seven markers, and, and we'll hit a couple of them today, but uh, I want you to see the big picture of, of how this living uh, or loving people to life thing plays out, what it, what it might look like. How, how do we become uh, more like Jesus? What, what does it look like in our lives to do that? There, there's a little phrase that, that has come to mind that I've heard multiple times at, um, at Nazarene general assemblies over the years. General assembly, the Nazarenes get together every four years, except with COVID, and uh, we were supposed to do it last year, and now I think we're doing it next year, right? So, uh, uh, but, uh, but, but we get together, and there's... there's uh, a lot of business that takes place, but there's also conventions and, and, uh, and, and seminars and things and then worship services and we gather together. And, and I can remember, uh, I believe it was 2017, the last time uh, we gathered for a general assembly in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. We're in the big, huge convention hall and there's thousands of people there and, and, uh, and, and, we had an inspiring uh, set of, of worship music. They usually gather uh, people to lead worship from all over, not just uh, our country, but literally around the world. And 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 usually uh, at some point, I remember in this service, we'd had uh, a great worship set, and then then uh, someone sang a solo, and it was inspiring. And we'd had scripture, and, and there's always the videos promoting the latest and greatest of the uh, what's what's going on in the denomination and and things we need to uh, to be uh, up to speed on. And then of course they always take the offering with those big ice cream buckets you know, and they send them around and all the things. Well, all that happened, and then, uh, then uh, Dr. Jerry Porter steps to the platform, and he was, uh, he's since retired, one of the general superintendents of the time, at the time, and he starts preaching, and I remember leaning over to those who I'm with, kind of a little smirk, this is what I do when I'm not in charge, I usually kind of heckle sometimes, um, I, I have to ask forgiveness at times like this time, but uh, I, uh, I, I leaned over with a smirk and I said, I bet at some point, pretty soon, you're going to hear the phrase, who are you discipling and who's discipling you? I said that because I had heard Jerry Porter say this over and over and over again. It's kind of his thing. He'd been a general superintendent for, I don't know, forever, right? And, uh, and, and every time he gets up to preach of these things, he says this phrase, who are you discipling and who's discipling you? He says it much more engaging than that. But, but I was uh, in a place where, where I was kind of poking a little fun and this is gonna, the, we're gonna say, I should have been listening and should have been a lot less joking around because those are actually a couple of great questions that we need to ask if we're living out this life to be be more like Jesus. It's got to be just ingrained in us. It's got to be part of who we are and what we do. Who are you discipling and who is discipling you? Now that, that those words, uh, discipling, well, again, it's church word. Uh, we're choosing to follow Jesus and become more like him. So who is it that, uh, that you are helping to follow Jesus and become more like him? And who is it that is helping you to do that same thing, to follow Jesus and become more like him? Asking those questions assumes a couple of things. First off, it, it assumes that none of us have arrived spiritually. We all should be continuing to, uh, to learn and grow. We need people in our lives who are going to disciple us, to help us to grow more like Jesus. And it also acknowledges, and not only have I not arrived, but that I need you and you need me and we need each other in order to make this happen. Uh, the Apostle Paul painted the picture this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, he says, you then, my son, talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who also will be qualified to teach others. 
just a couple of, almost just a, a, a couple of verses. We just kind of uh, speed over and, and move on, but it actually paints this picture. Four different generations of discipling, so to speak, uh, in those verses. First, there's Paul who's writing this. He's the, 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 the mature disciple. He's the mentor, I guess we could say. Uh, then he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is, for lack of a better term, the mentee. Is that not a manatee, mentee. Uh, that's, uh, that's a person who's being mentored, I guess. Paul is, is pouring into him he's discipling him but then he says uh, Timothy has don't just let it like stay with you he says now you need to entrust the spiritual truth that you're learning to other reliable people and then he says it shouldn't even just stay with them but then those reliable people will in turn teach teach others and it's going to go on and on and on each of us are being discipled and each of us are discipling who are you discipling and who is discipling you as, as we learn how to live more like Jesus, we also pass it on to other people around us. Uh, in other words, we, we, we love them enough to introduce them to abundant life with Christ. We live to love people to life. And it's not just that I do that, but we do that together. You're helping me. I'm helping you. We're helping each other. Who are you discipling? And who's discipling you? That's part of the process. It's not just this, this uh, somebody standing up here telling you how to do it and then you go do it. It's this interactive, we're, we're together and we're learning and we're growing and, and maybe it's a, a couple of conversations and maybe it's some, some intentional uh, meetings every, every uh, so often, maybe every week and maybe it's a class that we go to and maybe it's books that we read. All of these things work together. We're being discipled. We're growing. We're maturing. We're becoming more like Jesus. We haven't arrived yet. We're not like Jesus yet, but we're getting there and ever we're making progress we're growing who we're discipling and 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 then we're also uh helping others to do the same that's kind of the big picture broad brush that's what we're we're shooting for that's that's what the church should be about day in and day out week in and week out not just this gathering that we have here but but we are living in order to love people to life we're helping others uh develop follow jesus and become more like him while we're still doing that ourselves so what does that look like? What, what, what is it that we're learning uh, and, and developing in our lives as, as we're being discipled, as we're following Jesus? I, I want to look at a couple of those markers today uh, that, that, that we, should be ha- we should have in our lives if we are truly uh, growing followers of Jesus. Um, what are the things that we're characterized by? How do we know if we're becoming more like Jesus? The, the first thing, and I gave you the list last week, uh, but uh, we'll just, we're going to zero in on a few of them today. The first is Bible engagement. If we're going to be uh, more like Jesus, we need to realize that Jesus was engaged with Scripture. He, he loved Scripture. He knew Scripture. He obeyed Scripture. As we, as we get in, let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, problems are, are happening all the time. Uh, nerves get frayed. Stress levels get high. We, uh, we encounter difficult people. There are difficult circumstances. Maybe there's, there's stuff in your family or, or stuff in your extended family or, or stuff at work or, or uh, stuff in, in, uh, just in the culture of the day and, and the pressures of life can just push in on us. So here's the question. What, uh, when that happens in your life, when, when you are squeezed by the pressures of life, don't answer this out loud, when you're squeezed by the pressures of life, what comes out for many people might be anger or fear or depression or discouragement or maybe it's a long rant of expletives I don't know what it is when pressure when life squeezes you what comes out now I think we'd all agree that life was not always kind to Jesus 
He endured many pressures in his uh, uh, short life here on earth. He was, he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He dealt with angry crowds and, and religious leaders that wanted him dead. Uh, they ended up crucifying him. Life was not, uh, was not always easy and kind to Jesus. So, so what came out when Jesus was squeezed by the pressures of life? Scripture came out. Among other things, Scripture came out. He quoted Scripture to the devil in the wilderness. He quoted uh, Scripture time and again to the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the crowds that he addressed. He even quoted Scripture as he hung on the cross. Scripture came out of Jesus because that's what he had intentionally filled himself with. It wasn't that he just knew it because he was, he was God. He put aside his, his godness in order to come to, uh, uh, to earth. He was fully human, and, uh, and, and yet as he lived life, he filled himself intentionally with Scripture. He loved it. He knew it, and he obeyed it. And followers of Jesus, if we're going to be more like Jesus, we have to fill ourselves with Scripture ourselves too. Do you love the Bible like Jesus did? Great question for you to contemplate. Uh, So many times I I think we see reading the Bible as a chore instead of a privilege. I challenge you to pray. Maybe you go, I don't know. I don't really have that desire. Pray for the desire. Uh, uh, Pray for the love. Pray for a a, a holy uh, draw toward the the holy scriptures, to the very words of God. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Do you love the Bible like Jesus did? Do you know the Bible like Jesus did? Uh, that takes time and effort. Uh, if, if you love scripture, then it's going to start to feel more like fun and less like work. And you're going to be kind of mining for, uh, for the, the, the gold there. And you're going to be spending time uh, uh, on your own, in, in groups and classes, learning scripture. Uh, read it daily. Maybe you have a, a daily reading plan or, or uh, three or four like I do. And you've got your version Bible app on your phone or your, your iPad. And your, you, uh, you, it, it gives you uh, reminders. Every, don't forget to read God. Uh, if you don't have that, do it. You can, I mean, you can even, I'll give you permission, tune out of this sermon right now. Go to the app store or whatever it is on your device and, uh, and download uh, the, the Bible app, the version Bible app and start uh, developing those habits. Read scripture, spend time in it. Uh, here's, here's a thought, memorize it. You're not always going to have your, uh, your Bible with you. Now, if you have it on your phone and you always have your phone, well, I guess you're always going to, but uh, many times, oh man, so many times the words of scripture come back to me in a flash in the midst of something that I'm facing. And, I, and I've talked with some of you, and, and, and you've had that same experience as well. If you're not filling your life with Scripture, you won't have that to come out when you're facing the things that you face. You've got to know Scripture like Jesus did. But then here's the kicker. You've got to obey. Are you obeying the Bible and what it says? James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We can't just look up Bible verses that support what we, what we already think, right? We just flip through to the, the ones that we make it, well, there's this verse and this verse, and I think that if you put those together, that kind of, uh, that kind of supports what I'm already saying. No, we, we, we approach Scripture with openness, and we come without an agenda, and we're ready to hear uh, what, what, what God says through Scripture, and then we want to respond in obedience. I was... Um, watching uh, 60 Minutes last week, and, and I saw, maybe you watched this too, I don't know, but there's a 15-year-old young man named uh, Jacob Smith. 
who's a competitive skier in Big Sky, Montana. And oh yeah, there's this too, he's blind. Uh, they, they, they showed him uh, uh, skiing the backcountry, you see a picture there, uh, He's, he's up in the high mountains, even where the, you know, where they, the, the chairlifts don't go, right? And the, the chutes there up in, in, uh, in Montana. And, and he's in uh, skiing competition with, sky, with sighted skiers. And he's like beating a lot of them. And, uh, and in, in addition to, uh, to going over the course beforehand with his brothers, and they're helping him kind of feel out the terrain and they kind of walk through it uh, slowly. Uh, Jacob also, another, another way that he actually makes this happen. He has a two-way radio that's uh, turned up loud in the pocket of his ski pants. And on the other end is his dad. And his father's down at the bottom, but he's watching uh, Jacob and, and watches his every move. And he gives him directions and he tells him when to turn and, and helps him to avoid danger. Uh, in, in, the, in the piece on, on, uh, on TV, Jacob's dad says, uh, It's on me that I don't let him down, that I don't get him in trouble. I have to guide him through narrow chutes or to not go off a cliff. And the interview says, you have to be his eyes and there can't be a delay. She said, he can't say, are you sure, dad? And his dad says, nope. And then it it flashes to her talking with with Jacob and and she asked him, how much do you trust him? Meaning, how much do you trust your dad as he's talking on this radio and he's telling you where to turn and and all that? How much do you trust your dad? And and Jacob kind of chuckles and he says, I mean, enough to turn right when he tells me to. Do we trust God's word enough for our life that when we engage scripture, we sense our father's direction and we obey what it says? Do we... Do we trust him enough to turn right when he tells us to? Or are we just kind of, okay, I'll open my Bible when I'm at church or uh, flip through and kind of figure out something that'll support what I, or am I coming to scripture regularly with an open mind and an open heart? And what do you have for me today, Father? Living more like Jesus involves loving, knowing, and obeying scripture. It will also involve being passionate in prayer. Jesus, uh, so Jesus spent a lot of time in uh, in the scripture. He also spent a lot of time praying. Uh, maybe you're aware of this. Maybe you've uh, read through the the gospels and and you realize Jesus prayed a lot. Uh, Luke five sixteen says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So he got off by himself. He he prayed alone. Um, he he prayed before meals. He prayed before miracles. He 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 prayed after miracles. He he prayed in sorrow, seeking relief uh, from what was going on. He prayed uh, before big moments, like uh, he went away and prayed all night before he called the disciples and and decided on who were those those twelve guys going to be. Uh, he he prayed uh, at the the transfiguration. He prayed before Lazarus, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. He, he prayed on the cross. He, he prayed powerful prayers for these miracles that we have, have a record of. He prayed crazy prayers like he prayed for his enemies. Crazy stuff, right? He, he, he prayed surrendered prayers. Not my will, but your will be done. I surrender to you, Father. He prayed evangelistic prayers. Prayed for workers for the harvest to go out and win souls. Prayer came naturally to Jesus. He, he was simply communicating with his father. And the same has to be true for us if we're going to become more like Jesus. Uh, just like with any loving father, God loves to listen and respond when we pray. 
1 Thessalonians 5.17 is one of the shortest verses in scripture. It simply says this, pray continually. And that can sound like a pretty tough command and a pretty high bar to achieve, right? Uh, we, we could read that and we go, oh, well, did I pray enough today? Nope. I didn't pray continually, so I guess I didn't pray enough. I missed three minutes while I uh, headed to the bathroom, and, and I got distracted during lunch, and, and uh, there was that time in the car when my mind wandered, and I guess I failed. I didn't pray continually. We can hear that, uh, we can read that, and we can hear, you'd better not ever stop praying, right? That could be one way to translate that, pray continue. You better not ever stop praying. I don't think that that's the voice of our loving Heavenly Father. When I read that verse, pray continually, I I hear it as an invitation from God himself telling you that his door is always open and we need to take advantage of that. Uh, He's listening, he's available, we need to keep in touch. It's almost as if he's saying, you can talk to me anytime, so do it, Uh, take advantage of this, you can talk to me anytime. In uh, in college, Rebecca and I, uh, when Rebecca and I were dating, there were, there were a lot of times when we'd uh, uh, go on a date on a Friday night and, and Mount Vernon, uh, Ohio, didn't quite have the restaurants and the activity and the things that, that we want. So we, we'd, we'd take, a, take a little road trip down to Columbus. 30, 40 minutes, we'd be uh, ready for, uh, we'd arrive at our destination and, and we'd have a great evening together. I think she's okay telling me. She's not in here, so just don't tell. I'm just kidding. She can. It's good. I mean, within minutes of, of getting in the car on a Friday, uh, you know, go to school all week, working uh, all the things, getting the, and we'd head out of town, we'd get on the, on the main drag heading, heading south, and uh, I'd look over and she'd be asleep. A date, date night, Friday night, she's asleep in the passenger seat. She was, she was snoozing when she could have been engaged in meaningful conversation with the love of her life. Now, to her credit, she was at this point not yet convinced that I was indeed the love of her life, right? Uh, that was, that's probably the number one thing we need to recognize there. And she had worked hard all week, the motion of the car, the, the, uh, you know, she needed some, some, uh, so, some rest. That was the perfect place to do that. And, uh, and we'd uh, arrive at our destination and, and uh, have a great evening. At first, I took it personally. And, and we, uh, you know, had a conversation or two about it, right? But, but, but as the relationship developed, I realized that, that we didn't have to be talking all the time in order to still have the, those communication lines open to still be in a good place in our relationship, right? We didn't have to just be talking all the time. Uh, it, it, wasn't a, uh, uh, it, it wasn't this sense of pray continually and if you don't, bad things are happening. Pray continually doesn't necessarily mean talking to God every waking second. It means keeping that connection open with God, your loving heavenly father. Now we could, I mean, we could get detailed about, uh, talk about all the nuances of prayer, how to pray, when to pray, what to pray for, what not to pray for. Uh, we'll get into a lot of that and, and practice praying and, and what does it mean and what does it look like as we, uh, uh, if, if you step into that discipleship group in a couple of weeks, we'll do all that. I've, you know, I've spent weeks on a, a, a on series on prayer we, where there's a lot to talk about and unpack in all this, but today I just want to underline and highlight, emphasize, circle, uh, help you to know that if you're really following Jesus if you're thriving in your relationship with God, then prayer is going to be an essential part of that. 
it will be an essential part of your life. If, if, if you're, you're feeling, oh, I gotta go pray. No, you don't gotta go pray. You have the privilege of, of interacting with the, the creator of the world. The God of the universe has invited you, has left his door open and said, come talk to me anytime. It's another way that we live that will be part of something that will be part of our lives if we're going to be more like Jesus. Passionate prayer. Well, just one more I want to highlight this morning, and that is not only that we'll be engaged in Scripture and that we'll be passionate about prayer, we're also going to be characterized by wholehearted worship. Now, this one's a little bit different. The first two, I, I, I was telling, well, we need to be more like Jesus, and Jesus prayed. Uh, we need to be more like Jesus, and Jesus was engaged in Scripture. Uh, with, with worship, Jesus didn't worship himself, right? So it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but many times he received worship uh, when he was here, on the, and he inspired people to worship God. Uh, when, when Nathaniel came to meet Jesus uh, when, uh, at the beginning of his ministry, uh, uh, Nathaniel proclaimed him as the son of God and, and Jesus received that. Uh, Jesus was exalted as God's son at his baptism and also on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he didn't rebut that. He didn't say, no, wait, no don't, don't, don't lift me up. He received that worship. Peter proclaimed Jesus as the son of God both after his walk on the water and also when Jesus asked the disciples who they thought he was. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, yes, that's true. He received that. Uh, the, the blind man in John, John 9, uh, that, that whole chapter is all about Jesus healing a blind man. And uh, uh, the, that's where we get the, the phrase in the hymn, I was blind but now I see, right? And, and uh, the, this blind man testified to that. He was, he was uh, uh, healed by Jesus. And, and then later, he, after he'd received his sight, he came and he found Jesus and he fell down and he worshiped him and Jesus received that he welcomed that worship and over and over again uh, Jesus what Jesus did inspired people to worship God and he pointed them to God Uh, uh, so many times uh, when Jesus performed uh, uh, miracles when he taught when he uh, he he not only received worship but he pointed people to God to uh, to inspire the worship of God A, a life following Jesus is a life of worship and we all worship. There are, there are things or people or causes or, or, or whatever, we could fill in the blank, the things that are very important to us. And, and that importance, the, th- the, the importance that we place in that, literally uh, affects every other aspect of our lives. I mean, it could be a, a, a significant relationship or uh, a hobby that you pour your time and attention and uh, finances into, or it could be your job, or it could be a sport, or it could be a sports team, or it could be a, a religion, or, or frankly, I think uh, a lot of us just end up worshiping ourselves, right? And we want what's best for us, and so we all are going to worship somebody, and true followers of Jesus serve and worship him with their entire lives. Uh, Jesus summed it up well in his conversation with the, with the Samaritan woman in, in John chapter 4. Uh, in verse 24 of that chapter, he says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Notice it doesn't say that uh, his worshipers have to know how to carry a tune and sing really well. It doesn't say that, that, that worshipers of Jesus have to attend all the religious services and, and do all the right things. And just It doesn't even say that, that his worshipers have to be in a specific holy place in order to worship. All of those things are, are, are great things that we incorporate into uh, some of our expressions of worship. But, but Jesus simply says that we must worship him from the depths of our soul 
connecting with and honoring God in spirit and in truth. And that doesn't just happen during 47 minutes on a Sunday morning. It happens in all of life. Uh, Of course, Sundays we we get to worship with others who are also following Jesus and and there's a a unique power and and beauty in in worshiping together. And and the Bible says that the Spirit is present in a unique way when we gather together, right? Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. Uh, Scripture is full of accounts of God's people gathering together for worship. We find encouragement and direction and, and support as we worship together. But our worship can't be just limited to this time that we have together uh, every however often you come and take part in that. A.W. Tozer wrote in his classic, The Pursuit of God, let us practice the fine art of making every work a priestly ministration. Let us believe that God is in all our simple deeds and learn to find him there. Worship is life. Living your life every moment of every day pointing toward Jesus. A wholehearted worship. Sure, it involves uh, a church. It involves uh, time with uh, doing, doing what we might define as religious things. But it's so much more than that as well. It's a life devoted to becoming more like Jesus. Are you becoming more like Jesus? How do I answer that, Pastor? Well, I've given you three ways to to start thinking about that. Uh, Am I engaged in Scripture? Do I love, know, and obey Scripture like Jesus did? Am I passionate in prayer? Am I I engaged in, in prayer, in this conversation with God who has invited me into conversation? And is my whole life devoted to worshiping Him? 